My name is Padraig Tuma, and one of the things I love about poetry is that it can speak to you at different ages of your life. There's poems I've loved since I was a child that I might have read at the age of 8 and 18 and 38 and 45. And then there's poems too that I know that the poet wrote this just when they were 30. And when I would have been 30, I'd have read the poem and felt a kind of connection with it. But then even when I got older, I continued to read the poem and feel a connection there. Poems can change with me as I grow older. And there's a kindness, I think, in the way that poems too can offer some kind of parenting and some kind of support to you as you're trying to look out to the world and observe what you can observe. Married Love by Kathleen Flanagan All of them are dead now, my father and mother, bedded together under their matching stones, their married friends close by, the crystal and good plates all washed and put away in other homes, no party food left over. My job was to whip the cream for dessert and ride behind on their fishing weekends like a seventh wheel along with our Airedale who wore striped socks over his muddy paws in the house. Spirits accelerated toward cocktail hour in the Red Ranch kitchen where they made big to-dos over their drinks then feigned concern they might corrupt me. The men stirred the air, clustered at the bar, moved among the women conferring over the bubbling stew. My mother flushed and pretty as a cornucopia of summer fruit. That September before college, I joined the happy group on a fly-fishing river in Montana and slept on the cottage's fold-out couch. Late one evening, lights doused. I was alone with mother and one of the men, not quite uncle, not quite friend, though I newly recognised that he was handsome. I've erased whatever he said that convinced me he'd forgotten I was there. But there I was, afraid to breathe, confused to learn how delicately balanced these practitioners of marriage must be. Then they retired to their separate rooms, though a presence hung in the air like perfume. Kathleen Flanagan recite poetry at a festival in Madrid a few years ago and it was a festival of about 60 or 65 people crammed into a tiny bookshop and in the middle of all the heat and noise and excitement of this she managed in the quietness and the poise of her poetry to open up small moments of recognition and so I was really keen to see where else she'd done this in poetry because it is a feature of hers that she can look at a moment and go into it. And in a strange way, you feel like there is so much space. In this poem here, Married Love, there is so much attention given to observing the space between her and her parents, between her and her parents' friends, almost between her and her life. And then right at the end, between her and her mother and this other man, there's so much space for her to reflect and to wonder. Nothing happens too quickly, although you never feel like anything's dragging on either. 
And I wanted to explore this poem because it pays such close attention to what's being observed around you. It's a poem that is fairly devoid of any judgment. It just watches, it just sees, and it has some loneliness and some change and some growing up happening within it and some lessons and some teaching. But it doesn't judge, it just shows. And that, I think, is an extraordinary piece of art as well as a really human piece of understanding. This poem begins with a fairly bald statement about her dead parents and not only her parents, but her parents' friends. And she speaks about them all being buried in the earth and their goods are in other homes for other parties. And so the poem starts off sounding like it's going to be an elegy to her parents and their married love and that they're dead now. But the music that she creates opens up something much more. And you get the impression that she observed her parents' well-friended life, that her parents were the kind of parents who had friends and parties and weekends away, and that she came along and, as time went by, was initiated more and more into kind of adult company. Everybody sounds very nice to her here, but she also is not the centre of attention. I don't in any way get an impression that she's accusing her parents that they didn't love her, but she is revealing a kind of a parenting style where she is loved, present, included, but not worshipped as the most important person in the room. It's a kind of style of family that I'm used to too, so I recognise part of my own life in that. In the middle of all of this, there's a, there's a loneliness too, in the sense of not being the centre of attention. You know, she talks about going on their fishing weekends rather than our fishing weekends. That bit of a distance that's there. Calling herself the seventh wheel. Is that because there's three adult couples, you know, her parents and two others, and that somehow she is there extra alongside the dog who has to wear special socks so that it doesn't get mud on the floor? Is she too somebody who they want there but they don't want her either taking up too much attention. And so the floors in the house are kept clear of the evidence of the dog. And I wonder, was there a small moment of wondering, are the floors in the house meant to be kept clear of the evidence of daughter as well, present but not eminent in the memories of her parents' parties? so much that happens in that final turn of the poem so late one night you know she's waiting for the room to clear of adults so she can make her bed on the couch again here's another style that she isn't given a room you know she's on the fold out couch and then the adult couples clearly have rooms and she senses attraction between her mother and another man and she too has recently come to realise that this man is attractive he's not quite uncle he's not quite friend and in this, perhaps she is beginning to recognise the reality of sex lives of adults. Perhaps lots of us can recall how awkward it can be to think about your own parents' sex lives. But here she is thinking about her mother's sex life, independent of her marriage, and recognising perhaps some kind of electricity of energy that's happening. 
the man who's there has said something and she can't quite recall what it is to imply that he's forgotten that she's there. Perhaps he's chosen to forget that she's present. He's trying to communicate something. And she is learning what it means to be in married love. This man and her mother go off to their separate rooms. But I partly wonder about the mother character in this poem. Is she glad that this is happening because it's a certain kind of parenting and an introduction into an adult world to say, yeah, this kind of thing will happen. It's okay. Go off to your own room with your partner. Is this a certain form of parenting, not just of a child, but parenting of an adult who is just about to go off to college? Is she showing her something here? Is this an extraordinary connection between these two women of the poem? Again, because there is so little of demonstrative love being narrated in this poem. Nobody's saying to the teenage daughter, we're proud of you, we love you, whatever you do is great, everything is sorted around you, whatever you want. None of that's there. She's kind of there to be there, but not get in the way. But there is this fascinating care and love that is being shown to her about the ways within which her mother is showing her something about what it means to be an adult and what it means to be a married adult. And in that context... She is being shown profound love. poem is 41 lines long and it's in loads of couplets, 20 couplets. And then there's that final line, like perfume. And it's a line just by itself, almost like a stanza, two word stanza, just by itself, like perfume. And perfume is easy to sense, but impossible to grasp. And perhaps too, that's what she's trying to describe, that it is so sensual to refer to what you can smell but that's not visual. You know, you can't hear it. You can't put um, boxed reality around it. Somehow there's an air that's being implied here. There's something about that in this poem that I really like. I like the recognition of it. I like the acknowledgement of the loneliness of adolescence. And I like, too, the ways within which she is being shown things subtly. Her poem is a subtle poem. It's got these tiny little moments of seeing and two, the poem in its art is a subtle poem because it's got these tiny little moments of showing. I don't think it's so crude as to say that her mother is kind of flaunting the fact that she's saying, well, I could have an affair with this man if I wanted. I don't think it's that. I think it's that her mother is comfortable with attraction and sexuality amongst couples who hang out with each other a lot. And she is not freaked out by that. You know, I think it's entirely possible that some people will hear this poem and say, I hate it, because you might think this is a poem about an affair or almost an affair or a poem about not being loved enough as a child or a poem about my parents never having had time for me or about feeling lonely or feeling like you don't fit in or feeling like you're not wanted. And what I think is really important is to recognise that if you have a strong reaction to this poem, it's to recognise that that's the effect of the poem happening in you. Because the poem itself 
is almost completely without judgment. It's just laying these things out in front of us. And I think it's really important not to judge the poem based on your reaction. The poem is asking you to pay attention to your reaction. There's an effect that's happening here. And as a result, the poem's work happens really in how it's received. To think, oh, I really struggled with that or it brought something up for me. That's the work of the poem. Again, quiet, not being overly dramatic, not shouting, but just saying, pay attention to that. Pay attention to that. I do find Kathleen Flenican's work so consistently brave and quiet and strong altogether just gently going through and opening something up and saying, I see this. What do you see when you see this? And inviting the reader or the listener to the poem into their own examination of their own response. Married Love by Kathleen Flanagan All of them are dead now My father and mother Bedded together under their matching stones Their married friends close by The crystal and good plates All washed and put away in other homes No party food left over My job was to whip the cream for dessert and ride behind on their fishing weekends like a seventh wheel, along with our Airedale who wore striped socks over his muddy paws in the house. Spirits accelerated toward cocktail hour in the Red Ranch kitchen where they made big to-dos over their drinks, then feigned concern they might corrupt me. The men stirred the air, clustered at the bar, moved among the women conferring over the bubbling stew. My mother flushed and pretty as a cornucopia of summer fruit. That September before college, I joined the happy group on a fly-fishing river in Montana and slept on the cottage's fold-out couch. Late one evening, lights doused, I was alone with mother and one of the men, not quite uncle, not quite friend, though I newly recognised that he was handsome. I've erased whatever he said that convinced me he'd forgotten I was there. But there I was, afraid to breathe, confused to learn how delicately balanced these practitioners of marriage must be. Then they retired to their separate rooms, though a presence hung in the air like perfume. from Kathleen Flanagan's book, Post-Romantic. Thank you to the University of Washington Press who gave us permission to use Kathleen's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org.
Unbound is Gotham Shrikishan, Aaron Colasacco, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gotham Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen, or visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.